0: To thrive, welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bockham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life, time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thriveology Podcast. And aren't we trying to thrive in interesting times? <laughs> 2020 just keeps on coming. You know, even they talk about this asteroid that's headed our way and all these other weird things that are going on around us. So, how do we cope with that? Today, I want to talk specifically about how we cope with election stress. Here we are right on the cusp of this. And, and by the way, It's possible that you're listening to this a couple of days after the election in the U.S., and we are still in the midst of trying to figure all of this out. So what do you do with that? I mean, we are bombarded on a regular basis with all of this information, all of this stuff coming at us about politics and about the virus and just over and over, the economy, unemployment, everything is coming at us, and now on top of that we're in the midst of trying to select our leadership, not just our president, but our leadership of our country for the next coming years. If you're not in the U.S., that doesn't mean you're not feeling the anxiety because, you know, the problem with the footprint of the U.S. is that how our own policies go and how our own government goes does has an effect on other countries, less so than in the past, but it does have an effect. And so many other places are feeling it, too. Now, just to kind of put this in a perspective, they did a a poll recently. It's interesting because they were asking about what does it feel like to be in this place with the election? Seventy percent, 70 percent of the people that they polled said that they were feeling significant stress – From the election, 70%, over half, well over half, said that they were feeling significant stress from the election. Now, in that other 30%, there were those who would have said that they were feeling some stress, and probably only a few who said they feel no stress. So we have a large number of people who are feeling that stress, and this is on top of the fact that, in many ways, we're on overwhelm from 2020 anyway, the pandemic has brought in stress for many people, even if that is not about the virus itself, even if it's about the impact of that, of having kids at home or unemployment or how do you pay the bills or you know what's going to happen with the economy, what's going to happen with being able to see loved ones and travel and all other things, that just all has bombarded upon us. And on top of that, we've watched this year being quite the topsy-turvy weather year. You know, so many big storms that have just been at the same time. So all of this election stress is just on top of the other stresses. And and I hope I'm not stressing you out in the moment because you may not have been thinking about those things. And suddenly here we are on a podcast talking about those things. So 70% say significant source of stress. 77% say they are worried about the US future. Now, broaden that out. And the statistics are broader where people around the world are feeling Concerned and worried about the world future, not just the US. It's not just about us. This is something that is affecting many corners of the world. And so we're feeling that. So, in the midst of all of this election press coverage and election just facts around us, and if you're like me getting bombarded with calls and texts and stuff in my mailbox and even in my email box, all of that just keeps it going. Now, Another part of that survey said that 71% of the people say this is the lowest point in history that they remember. Now, let's just be careful here and remember that we sometimes kind of – Uh, Glamorize the past, reminisce about the past Forget how it really was But that doesn't matter for how we're experiencing now Even if this isn't the worst time in your memory Even if there were other times in your memory that were worse The perception ends up being kind of a reality for people, right? If you feel like this is the worst time Even if, factually speaking, there were other worse times That's how we rank it And that affects our emotional life So here we are. What do you do about that? Well, first of all, let's identify some of the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Let's just kind of divide it out among kind of three areas, the physical symptoms, the mental and the emotional symptoms. So first, the physical symptoms. I've talked with a lot of people are feeling like they're just, you know, wound up tight and, and their stomachs are upset and their digestion is off and they're having a hard time eating. They find that their breath, breathing is very shallow, uh, that they feel some heart palpitations or sweaty palms. Well, all of those are symptoms of anxiety. I mean, that's what our body does when we are in an anxious place. Remember, anxiety is really our body's response to fear. We feel that anxiety feeling when we are fearful. So, And as we're talking about all of these, it's the same piece. We're all talking about fearful points. We're talking about the places of fear that come into our body in physical ways, in mental ways, in emotional ways. So if you're finding yourself having a hard time going to sleep – you finding yourself carrying a lot of tension in your muscles, a lot of sore backs or uh, knots in your back or your neck. Uh, if you are finding yourself you know, struggling to eat or finding yourself eating stuff that you know better, right? Just kind of comfort food, trying to find a place to feel better. Or maybe you're realizing that your heart is beating fast and your breathing is all through your chest. Those are all symptoms of what we're talking about. And specifically, how that manifests itself around the issue of this election. Now, mentally, a lot of people are describing to me what is known as hypervigilance. Hypervigilance. It's where you're on the lookout for the bad news. And this is kind of interesting because one way we do hypervigilance is keeping a really close eye on the news, That's the hypervigilance. We're really watching out for any stories that either make us feel better or confirm our concerns. I mean, we look in both directions for that. That's hypervigilance. Hypervigilance is just a heightened awareness of any threats that might be around you. And so one of the places that we find out about elections and, and about politics is through the news. So we become hypervigilant about that. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But we also now get that same information through social media. So we're hypervigilant to what we're seeing on our Facebook feed, on our Twitter feed, you know, throughout all of our social media networks. We're looking for it. And I don't know, you may have noticed it, but I've noticed it. I'm, I'm looking for what agrees with my opinion, what agrees with what I want to have happen. And if I see that story, I go, oh, thank goodness. And if I see something that opposes my view, I go, oh, no, right? And so we have this place where we're, we're, we're trying to kind of prove our beliefs. We're trying to prove what we're thinking, which is kind of ironic, right? I mean, you don't know and I don't know what's going to happen here. So we keep reading our friends' opinions or our friends' stating of other people's opinions, and we find either some comfort or discomfort from what we read. We have what scientists call confirmation bias. Of course we want to see the evidence to prove whatever side we're on. Now, let me just pause here for a moment and say what we're talking about here, it's nonpartisan. Every election puts everything up for grabs, right? And so even if you go, well, this is how I want it to go, if you win, great, but you're anxious until that happens. If you lose, that extends on through the settling in of this. And so when you hear me talking about this, I'm not talking to any partisan group. This anxiety is something that we share as human beings. And so... We look for evidence that supports our view. Here's the thing. We all have a secret belief that our view is the right view. I mean, that makes sense, right? Because if you thought, no, I don't have the right view, wouldn't you change your view? Right? And so the fact that you have the views you have means that you think that those views are correct, that they are accurate. And so you want to find things that help you continue to believe that they are correct and that they are accurate. And anything that challenges that, we kind of make as the you know, bad opinion of somebody else, the misinformation, the wrong stuff uh, coming from a bad source. And, and so we push it away, which is why whoever wins may be a little bit surprised but whoever loses will be super surprised by that because we have been watching information that confirms what we are thinking as we go into this. Well, that's the hypervigilance as we're looking for that information, the hypervigilance of us trying to find what makes us feel safe or alerts us to a threat. Then emotional. Seeing a lot of this lately, it's when people have a stronger emotional response then makes sense given the situation. This is a common piece for anxiety for all of us. I can tell when I'm anxious because I'm more likely to respond more heavily than I would like to. Maybe I'm anxious about something else and then something happens and I have a stronger response than that deserves. I may have a stronger uh, words for somebody or actions for something than I would otherwise because I'm already a little amped up. And so we see how we over respond emotionally. And, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this in, in the coming days because people as a collective group are feeling this anxiety. We're just on edge. And so our emotional response comes from that on edge place. You know, if you are in something of a threatened mode, if something else comes along, It is more likely to feel like a threat, and you're more likely to respond to it as if it's a threat, which is why lots of people are telling me that they are uh, angry and frustrated and responding to people that they don't quite understand why. I was commenting to my wife that not long ago, if I was walking around and seeing the signs in the yard, I would just go, oh, that's about that candidate, right? The signs in their yard would be about that candidate, Now it begins to be a moral judgment about the people who put out the sign. And so what's happened is that we're perceiving this threat to what we think is right and okay, and we're responding to it on a personal level, even though it's a political level. The fact is that people have their beliefs about what needs to happen in our country. And we may not agree with I may not agree with you. You may not agree with me. We may agree with each other greatly, right? But the fact is that in your, if you look at it, most people really are trying to get the world to a better place. Now, what that better place is may vary from person to person. And how you get there may vary from party to party. But the fact is, as has been stated so many times by so many philosophers, we are more alike than different, We are more interested in a common goal of well-being than otherwise. It just doesn't always look like it in the midst of the political season. So what are some complicators to this fact? Because you want to be aware of these. If something is complicating it, it also tells you how you might be able to deal with that. Well, one of the complicators these days is isolation. Many people who would have been exposed to a wider range of people now are frozen in place, working from home with a very small group around them. And that very small group is likely to be similar in perspective. And if not, that just means that it feels even more threatened all the time. So either we're automatically confirming our bias or keeping ourselves ramped up and on edge by the people around us. But what if you're by yourself? You know That generally means that we're finding connections with people who are in our affinity group, and these days, particularly, that affinity group may include the politics. I've talked with a lot of people where their anxiety is that their political views are creating isolation because their peer group have a different opinion. So now they're having to figure out, do I voice my feelings? Do I voice my politics? Or do I stay quiet to avoid causing problems in my peer group, to continue to have the contact with people that are part of that group? So even our political views can feel isolating. But the fact is, because of what's going on in our culture and because of the pandemic, we are more isolated now than normal. So that closes the gaps of places where we uh, get to get some support and, and some places where we might even be able to talk about our beliefs and our struggles and not have it feel so threatening. The second thing is what has been dubbed doom scrolling this year. You know that doom scrolling where you're flipping through your social media channels scrolling for the information. Maybe you have a news app. I know I do. And I have to be very careful because I can go through there and I'm looking for the bad stories, right? I'm trying to find where the trouble is. And that's the doom scrolling where we're constantly going back and looking for information. It's kind of like we, we believe that those systems are our early warning systems, those external systems are our early warning systems for what might go wrong. And so we're relying on that for feedback but those are imperfect based on algorithms. The fact is that Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and most other uh, social media is designed that the more you look at a certain element, the more they're going to show that to you. So if you start looking at information about one part of you or the other, they're going to start feeding you stories about that one part of or the other. In fact, it's going to feed you stories from that perspective. If you have some curiosity about something, it creates a rabbit hole, a self-reinforcing rabbit hole that takes you deeper and deeper, feeling worse and worse about things simply because of how those algorithms are set up. So this changes things a little bit, right? I mean, if what you were searching for at one point was happy puppies or funny cats, and that was what the information was feeding you, that's different than if you're looking for the scary stuff and it feeds you more scary stuff. Unfortunately, good news is rarely on the news. And so because of that, the stories that are coming your way increase the doom scrolling. And so if you see that, when you start doom scrolling, you're creating a pattern in your web of networking that leads to further doom scrolling. More information there for you to doom scroll through. It's almost a reinforcing fact. So those are the complicators. But notice that that can be helpful. Remember, this is nonpartisan. It happens both ways. Both sides are getting a skewed perspective on what's going on. Both sides are just as sure about what's going to happen in spite of the fact that the the issues are a little more complicated than we would like to think. This is, just to remind you, nonpartisan. It happens both ways. So what do we do? How can we deal with this anxiety, this election anxiety in particular? What can we do about that? First of all, I would suggest that you beware of the news. Beware. It's you know, kind of putting be aware together. Beware. Be conscious of what that is feeding you. Step back a little bit and first look at how you're taking in your diet of media, diet of news. For a number of years, I've been on a kind of a news fast. Now that doesn't mean that I avoid all news stories. That used to be what I did in the beginning. Now I just decide how I'm going to digest them. I don't watch news on TV, on the internet. I don't watch news because the visual element adds an extra level of stress to you. Remember, In your cortical system, in your brain system, your eyes are most connected and your ears are most connected to the threat centers in your brain. In fact, your eyes go directly to the threat center. So what you see in your eyes goes to the most primitive part of your brain that is trying to figure out what's a threat without a thought process in place. Your eyes take it in. And if you see it in front of you, Your brain, that part of your brain is not calculating whether it's a video or an image or anything else. It's just going straight to threat mode. So when we're watching the images on the news, you may, in your conscious mind, in your the top part of your brain, be able to say, that's video. But the most primitive part of your brain is going, that's happening right in front of me. There's a threat right in front of me. So beware of the news as you digest it. Make sure you limit it and make sure you also look at the source for it. One of the things I've realized is that if I'm getting all of my news from just a couple of sources and those sources already lean in the direction I want it to be, I'm not getting a full picture. I think that is one of the biggest pieces of our problem in our country is that many people are getting their source of information from one or two places. And those one or two places have a very clear bent to them politically. They're not unbiased. And, and here's the interesting thing. Each side believes that their news is unbiased and the other side is biased. But the fact is that most news comes from some level of bias, And we've got to be aware of that in order to recognize what we're being fed. Now, let me just bring up one more piece if you're still struggling with what that means about the news. The news is there not to deliver you all of the facts. It's there to hold on to your eyeballs. The news shows are there to sell ad space. Secondarily, they can give you information, but their primary task, I mean, every, every media is a business, so their primary task is to make business, and to make business, you have to have customers in front of you, and to have customers in front of you, you have to have something that compels them to watch, which is the reason that, as they say, if it bleeds, it leads, if they have footage that's going to shock you, that's going to uh, worry you, concern you, they have your eyes. They have your ears. And if it's coming from a perspective that you already want to hear, your confirmation bias will keep you locked into that. So, A, limit your exposure to news. And by the way, If it's important, you will hear about it. I haven't watched news for years and I'm about as up to date as most people except for I don't watch the same story chewed through a number of times a number of different ways only to arrive at the same conclusion that I already want to believe. The second thing is to watch your sources. So, B, watch your sources. Spread out a little bit. Get a wider perspective. Sometimes it's a little more calm when we mix that in and realize there's a bigger viewpoint than the one that we're holding. Number two, look at your de-stress habits and double down on them. Double down on the de-stress. If you find that journaling is helpful, make sure you do that. If you find that meditation is helpful, make sure you do that. If yoga is helpful, make sure you do that. If you exercise and find that helps you blow off steam, make sure you do that. The big things I talk about are making sure you're moving So the exercise allows you to process the adrenaline that your body is building up, the cortisol that your body is building up, that you're feeding yourself well, meaning you're looking at good foods, not just the comfort foods that break down into sugar and fats pretty easily. Number three, make sure you're getting the rest that you need. And number four, make sure you're doing some things that you enjoy doing. This is a great time to take a break from the news and pick up your hobby. Do something to break it. Number three, let the process play out. This is not likely to be, as you're listening to this on election day, settled at the end of today. It's not likely. It's possible. Be great if we could get to that conclusion. But recognize that this process may play out over at least a couple of days, if not several days, maybe weeks So we need to be patient with that. We need to let the process, as it has been done for quite a while in our country, a couple of centuries in our country, let it play out. Do remember that the selection of our leadership needs to follow order. And when we start jumping to early conclusions, we're sliding into a pattern of, of that anxiety, Either we're going to be opposed to it or for it, but either way, we're misrepresenting the process that's happened. Remember, in the colonies, the election took a while just because of how long it took to get all that information together. So we're kind of back to that now. It's just going to take a while. So let's let the process play out and take a big, deep, collective breath. If you're gathering on election night and you're watching the TV, waiting for the final decision... Don't fall for that trap. Take a big, deep breath. Let's let the process play out. Number four, beware of tribalism. We are in such a divided world and a divided culture right now that what we're forgetting is that, number one, we are all human beings in this together. Our task is to move through life together As a common people, recognizing that what we want, the best for the world, may come in different flavors and stripes, that we may have different opinions about what that means. But in the end, we're all working for a better good. And if we're not, there's only a few people who are not. And we need to be super careful of those people. There are always a few bad apples. But for the most part, we're good. I mean, that is what research shows. We are very good people as a common group. I will give you one insight. The research shows that people are good overall until they're corrupted with power. And then we have to be careful. So just remember that we're here for a common good. Beware of tribalism, especially when the people at the top of that tribe are beating the drums the loudest. They are at the place where they're at risk. Number five. Call a cool off if you need to. If you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody and you realize that it's not going the way you want, just to say, you know what? These are tough, stressful moments. Let's take a break from this. Or let's say you're watching the news and you realize that your heart is palpitating, your breathing is in overdrive, and everything is, is on alert within you. It's a good time to say, you know what, I'm going to turn that off and do something else. If you find yourself scrolling through Facebook endlessly or your Twitter feed or whatever else, YouTube or anything else, recognize what you're doing and step away and take a breath. Do something else. Take a cool off. Our body has a built-in mechanism that can cool us off or wrap us up, one or the other, and we have to decide whether we're going to step back from that or not. And finally, check control. Remind yourself of what you can control and what you can't. What you can control are what you have hope for, what your aspirations are, what your big dreams are for you, your family, your community, the world. But remember, the aspiration is different than what you can make happen. You have control over those aspirations. The second thing you have control over is your attitude. We can figure this out. We can get through this. To believe in that rather than it's hopeless allows you to keep moving forward. And finally, you have control over your actions, what you do and you say, what you don't do, what you don't say. You have control over that. Now, hear me well. That doesn't mean that you just can't do anything in the greater world. That's just what you can control. Maybe in this process, you've realized that you need to take a bigger active role in politics or in uh, social issues or anything else. Great. You still have control over those three things that you take into the spheres where you want to have influence. But remind yourself, it's not all up to you. It's not all up to anything, anyone. It's all up to all of us. As this election plays out, I promise you, We will get through this. We always have, and we will again. And our task is to stay calm, to not get wrapped up in anything that happens in the moment, but to look at the bigger picture of where we want to go. This is Lee Balkam wishing you the best as you live your thriving life. (music)